Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi Jinx with me. Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is one of my favorite comedians, John Early. We're going to talk all about his collaborations with Kate Berlant, his character Vicky, which if you haven't seen John Early's episode of The Characters on Netflix, you might want to pause this episode right now. Go watch that and then come back to this for context because John is just a brilliant voice of our queer generation. We're going to talk about so many things and he cracks me up throughout. So get ready to sink your teeth in, hunker down, buckle up, batten the hatches, put plywood on the windows and uh, tarp the furniture (laughs) for some brand new hijinks. M. Oh. M. Mom! everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by comedian, writer, and actor, John Early. Hi, John. Hi, Jinx. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I feel like we should disclose our status. (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah, like, um, you know, if we can do it on Grindr, we can do it on our podcast. Exactly. Three, two, one, we have COVID. We have COVID, yes. Um, (laughs) Luckily, um, unless our COVID, like, teams up with each other through the airwaves and becomes super COVID, I think we're... I think we're all right here this recording is, yeah. remotely. I, I think so too. I've I do I've heard it can transmit via podcasts. <laughs> well, thank you for taking time out of your COVID um, to join me. I am such a huge fan, John, and um, listeners of the podcast will know that I have um, already interviewed your long enduring uh, partner <laughs> and confidant, Kate Berlant. So I encourage my listeners um, to go back and listen to Kate Berlant's episode either before or after. And I heard that's a or record after. low um, <laughs> aud- audience engagement with that app, right? I saw the, I saw the, I crunched the numbers. I want people to find the incongruencies between your two interviews and see, like, (laughs) try to figure out who's lying about who. I love Um, that. Right away, let's talk about it. You've been friends with Kate for a long time. You have a wonderful um, rapport together, but you also do a lot of wonderful work separately. Um, In your words, let's forget about what Kate said. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Uh, how did you and Kate meet, and what is the secret sauce to your um, collaboration together? Well, you know, Kate was kind of had this like mythic status when I was um, in kind of fresh out of college, and um, I was actually in a relationship with uh, one of her one of like one of our mutual friends, basically, and um, they had always this kind of crew of people were always trying to kind of get us together. I think they could sense there was an overlap in sensibility. And, you know, she was running this show at the the cake shop, no longer there, and um, on Ludlow in New York every Tuesday. And she would just kind of do her, like, wild, just stream of consciousness, <laughs> st- like, improvisatory stand-up. Um, and everyone was always telling me to go see her, and I never went. I don't know why. Um, and then... 
and then I, I started doing stand-up and we ended up on the same show and I was like just totally stunned and I and I knew that when we had we were scheduled by the same group of people to be in the short film together and that we were shooting that in a couple weeks and I kind of like grabbed her arm in the back of the room and I was like I'll see you you know I'll see you on, see you on set <laughs> and um I don't know it was all very romantic and then and you know then then I, then we shot the short film together and there was just such a I, I, you know, I, it was very, I, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot, so I'm trying because because you deserve it, Jinx. I'm trying to, I'm trying to mint, freshly mint this um, story. But um, I, I mean, basically, it was that I don't know if you've been lucky enough to have something like this where you know you're. It, it felt very kind of like socially unacceptable like, <laughs> to be like 24 and to be having such a kind of childlike plunge into friendship. Like uh-huh. we did this, we shot the short together. We were like freaking out. I mean, we were really freaking out. I remember like that day we so like boldly said to each other, we were like, like a, we like did like a blood vow. We were like, see you on IFC <laughs> thinking that IFC was like the peak. <laughs> Meanwhile, we can't get fucking arrested. Um, but we were like, see you on IFC. And then, um, you know, and then and then the very next night, we like texted into the night. And then the very next night, I came over to her place. And we just like had the time of our lives. And then I, I basically kept going over for two weeks. And then and I would leave at like 4 a.m. And at a certain point, we were just kind of like, okay. Like it, the kind of formality dissolved. And she was like, do you want to spend the night? And I was like, yeah. And we literally slept in the same bed for like two years. For two years. Literally. I mean, I would go home every, I would go home like once a week maybe. And like, but I literally would get packs of underwear from Rite Aid. (laughs) I would just like put on, I would shower at her place, put on the same shirt, get packs. If I was low, I would get packs of underwear at Rite Aid. And then eventually I would go back to my apartment and like freshen up. Um. Not to take away from your story, but only to like um, validate it. Yay. I still, I'm I'm 34, and I still occasionally Same. like meet that person who I I just yeah we become teenagers again. And, yeah. Um, my I have a friend Dante in New York who does like um political TikTok videos explaining the ills of capitalism and like really like actually explaining how socialism works to you know, the TikTok generation. And um, we had been friends online for a long time. And then I went to New York to shoot some promo stuff. And the first night we hung out, he ended up crashing at my hotel. And then the <laughs> next night he came again. And then by the end of the week, it was just like every day I'd get off work and then he'd meet me at the hotel and we ordered takeout and we'd stay up all night talking until we pass out at 4 a.m. And then I'd get up at, you know, seven to do my makeup. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it so just became it. like a given that when I'm in New York, he'll just come stay at my hotel with me. And it's platonic, and it's very um, cherubic. And <laughs> when you meet one of those one of those friends in your life, you're just like, how have we not known each other our whole lives, right? Totally. There like was how, like a, how did we not share a womb? Exactly. That's really what it felt like. There was a very otherworldly kind of... I felt like we were pulling from the same kind of reference pool. Like mm-hmm. the, we, there was clearly an overlap in like our heroes, you know, <laughs> and we were like kind of, and that had long been kind of synthesized in our own respective like personas. Mm-hmm. But like seeing it in the other person was very surreal. Um, yeah, it's the best. It's the best feeling. I, w- I wish that I wish that for everyone. <laughs> and to and and. To find someone like that who also works in the same field, yes, it's it's very similar for me. Like Ben de la Creme and I, um, Ben, we have, we have very distinct drag persona, um, but when we work together, it's like it's like the left and right sides of the brain working in tandem. You know, totally. it just kind of feels like, oh yeah, this is what we we were always meant to find each other and create work together and. Uh, Completely. Uh, you and Ben are the only people who like our work. <laughs> <laughs> I just, every time I get a little comment 
from one of y'all. It really just, it really means a lot. I have noticed something, and it's partially out of gay jealousy, um, partially out of, like, awe, but I also just want to, I just want to, like, understand and fully comprehend it. There is this, um, there's this, like, generation, this um, pool of rising comedy stars, Mm -hmm. and you all, <laughs> you all seem to be friends with each other. You all seem to like do everything together. I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't dare like list off everyone um, who I see participating in this pool. Yeah, but I want to know like, how do you become part of this club? How how do you infiltrate the ranks? It's like it's like you and Cola Scola and Kate and um. Um, I could, you know, name a bunch of people, but it's like, it's all these people who I've seen a lot of their early work and then all of a sudden, now you're just everywhere and we all work on all the same projects together and it feels impossible to penetrate this crowd. (laughs) Tell me how that, like, uh, what is this incestuous pool of talent and how does one become part of it? (laughs) That is so beautiful. Well, first of all, the invitation is open. Um, (laughs) Is that what we say? I don't know. Um, But... Do I have yes. to put my keys in a bowl? <laughs> oh, yeah, honey. Um, I always make that joke when people come over, by the way. And no, it never really lands. To me, it's like, it's. I, I always think of the ice storm. Does anyone even have keys anymore? <laughs> I can't remember the last time I used a key. It's so true. Um, no, I mean, that. that's a group of people that, I mean, you are completely, there is, there is a seat at the table for you, baby girl. But, I mean... That, I mean, as I'm sure you've experienced with drag or, you know, theater, it's like, it, it is just that that is a group that formed very organically through like many nights of performing together since like yeah. 2012, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, like you, you, you see your kind of like-minded people across the room and, or on stage and like, I don't, and you we really just, dig their vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's so nice also when it like, you know kicks off socially as well and there can be the yeah like that that's a part i really really miss about like living in new york also pre-covid but like a time when i was like performing all the time and hanging out with kate and cole and jacqueline novak and like that's a really very i I romanticize that time maybe too much but um (laughs) it maybe wasn't even fun and i I, but but yeah i mean that that just happened through performance and through like making stuff together yeah in our 20s and i figured as much but <laughs> sometimes on the outside looking in i i <laughs> well I mean, especially I, on instagram I, it's hell oh oh yeah um i dramatize everything so i yes. just think of this like big um proverbial uh, queer high school where yes. um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're finally the popular girls yeah. <laughs> the um, A group the A group you have done um, so many things you've been on so many shows my introduction to you at all was um, Netflix's The Characters again you're the only one who cares <laughs> It has always meant the world to me, Jinx. You're like, every, like, couple years, there's some sort of tweet with a gift from the characters. And I'm like, thank you for bringing three more viewers to that. It is so damn good. It is. So, it you. introduced me to both you and Kate. And then it was one of those things where once I saw you on the characters and saw the breadth of um, uh, characters that you do and your comedy style, then it was like I started to see you everywhere. I realized you were one of Jenna Maroney's kids yes! on 30 Rock. And, um, wow. So I see you everywhere after the characters, but we have to talk about... There's one character you portray that is so. Um, her name's Vicky. She's a stand-up comedian, but she's yeah. also a Christian mother, and sorry, she is. Hold on. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because I think you'll really appreciate this. Kate just texted me. <laughs> My Delta screen. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna get right back to Vicky. To be clear, she said, "My Delta screen won't advance to more options, so I'm watching Angels in America." 
Oh my God, she doesn't know. I think it's opening with some famous actor and old rabbi prosthetic. She has no idea it's Meryl Streep. I'm going to text her all caps. Um, I'm on Jinx's podcast. Jinx's podcast reading this live. Okay. She's dying. Okay. Um, she had, to, to be able to break to her that that's Meryl Streep. Um, okay, sorry, sorry. Back to Vicky. <laughs> Vicky is every drag queen I She knew. says, hi, Jinx. <laughs> All caps. Hi, Kate. Um, Vicky is every drag queen I knew in Portland. And it's funny because Portland is this hippie, queer, totally progressive, totally liberal city. Um, very radical queerness. Um, but a lot of the drag queens back in the day, mm-hmm. like when I started here, somehow were completely like your your country southern fried drag queen in the middle of Portland. There, um, I, Like now that I travel, it's like there's no distinction between some of the old school drag queens in Portland mm. and all of the southern drag queens in Atlanta and the South. I don't yeah. know how it happened, but globalization, jinx. <laughs> but Vicky is so many of those drag queens I knew back yes. in the day. Um, and it's funny because you know she's she's a mom, she's a Christian woman, she's looking for her denim. But <laughs> was she based on drag queens? Had you like seen drag queens do this kind of persona, and then, or is she based on someone in your life? Tell me about Vicky. <laughs> so again, just so glad you care because the characters really is like one of the more profound artistic experiences I've ever had. I mean, just I am so deeply proud of that. And you, it's I've realized very quickly how rare it is to get that <laughs> level of creative freedom. I'm still trying, um, but the. Yes, Vicky. Vicky, you know, Vicky was very kind of instinctive. She to be to be maybe disappointingly frank. She really came from like a night of just making my friends laugh. Like we were like stoned as hell, and like I was literally looking for my denim. <laughs> I had like a denim jacket that I couldn't find, and like <laughs> I was like, I it just started evolving into a bit where I like became a stand-up comedian who has this like running bit about looking for her denim that just like happened in a night and then <laughs> I started performing her live in a in more of a kind of drag I mean it was like part of a more of a like a kind of an hour hour and a half let's be real like of like songs <laughs> and stand-up or you know kind of cabaret-ish uh-huh. and I would do like her in the middle of it and it was very like I had like a ratty wig and like and it was more like and this was me I think trying to be this what this was genuinely what I like was interested in at the time I don't want to be too self-deprecating but there was something a little pretentious about my approach to her originally where I was like trying to do the kind of like broken woman which I'm sure you understand like as an artistic I built my whole career off of broken (laughs) exactly exactly it's like a very you know I don't know like um yeah, she she was like kind of a broken woman, like a like a housewife, kind of, kind of suddenly having a existential kind of reckoning with like <laughs> the prison of her of her life, and like and so it was very kind of somber, and it was like more the kind of quiet backstage stuff that I do in the characters with with Kate and Jacqueline flanking uh-huh. me, and then I started. Then I did the characters and I actually was like forced to come up with a look for her Uh instead of just like a shitty wig and a blazer to signify (laughs) I'm doing a character. It was like I actually had to like be very clear about who she was and just with like the costume designer and the makeup artist and the the hair guy. And like so that was when I kind of was like, oh, I think there was something immediately like so sexy about her. (laughs) Like once I started like doing the makeup and and getting the Kate Gosselin like hair Uh and like, and like, and and once I actually had like literally the resources and like the help to make her into something more specific, I was like, oh, this is, it was very clear to me that the character was actually more about her like kind of confidence. Yeah. And like, 
and so, and I was like, oh, this is 70,000 times funnier and more compelling if I'm like killing on stage instead of having like a breakdown. <laughs> that's not always the case. But in this particular case, I thought it was bless you in advance. Jinx was coughing for the listeners at home. <laughs> I have um, a cough button. Um, <laughs> what really resonated with me about Vicky because is... Um, Okay, so anyone who frequents drag shows at your local drag bar, I think will have an experience with this, of a drag queen saying the most filthy things and then turning around and saying, but I'm a good Christian woman <laughs> and I go yeah. to church every Sunday and I wear my church hat. It's it's one of my favorite tropes in drag shows. It's yes. just like just being foul and disgusting and then ending it with, but I'm a good Christian woman. Yes. And that's what really resonated with Vicky. Well, uh, similarly with- to like your, your, your experience in like kind of queer Portland world, but with like the kind of Southern imports, <laughs> you know, like I have really only performed Vicky in like Brooklyn and Silver Lake <laughs> for like very kind of, you know, millennial, like uh, I would say largely well off um, <laughs> kind of rarefied uh, coastal audiences. And like, there is, I think, in those spaces that are like, uh, like are kind of always maybe performing their own, especially now, um, like performing their own kind of queerness and kind of constantly like reaffirm or like reasserting a kind of like queer identity or queer space. You know, it's like, it's shocking. It's actually not shocking <laughs> at all psychologically to understand why Vicky pops the fuck off in those environments because I think people <laughs> yeah. are so desperate for something a little more just kind of like fun and crass and like ordinary mm-hmm. you know and like something like that they grew up around you know yeah. and like so yeah but I but Vicky like Vicky sometimes I'm like it's my dad because my dad's just like extremely funny like uh-huh. and sometimes I'm like it's Monique <laughs> you know what I mean like I sometimes she's my aunt I'm not really sure where she comes from not to be like woo about it but she's a, she's many things and how did Vicky end up um I promise we won't spend the whole podcast talking about Vicky but I she she to. had an impact um, how did Vicky end up uh, officiating Amy Schumer's wedding? <laughs> well, Amy is like literally, it's you and Amy are like the two torchbearers <laughs> of the characters. Um, yeah, I like, I I met Amy through our mutual friend, the great Claudio Doherty, um, an Australian comedian. And... Amy like loved the characters and like I was so touched by it and she would like post about it on Instagram and and she loved Vicky and like we sort of became like internet friends as you do and like and and then and we hung out a couple times in New York it was like a little fledgling little like group of comedians who were kind of becoming friends and 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 then I oh my god what she literally texted me like the week (laughs) before her wedding she was like she literally said, Adele dropped out. Would you officiate the wedding? <laughs> I was like, I was so scared. And I, of course, was like, I can't say no. One, because she asked and she clearly on some level wanted me to. But two, because I was like this, as terrifying as this is, this will be like such a thrilling experience and, and story. Now, and now for the rest of your life, you can say, well, I filled in for Adele. Adele. Adele couldn't make the gig, so <laughs> I was so, next on the list. <laughs> I was the swing. But yeah, but but I like, and and I was thinking, I was like, please don't. Like, and she was asking me to do it as me, and I was going to suggest, because I knew she loved Vicky. I was like, maybe I can ask her if I can do it as Vicky, because it would be easier to do it in a, as in a character rather than myself mm-hmm. being like, to have and to have. Like, I mean, I, you know, and then I couldn't imagine. I was like, what the hell am I going to say as myself, you know? And then in front of like Jake Gyllenhaal, you know? And then and then the next morning at like 7 a.m., she was like, would you do it as Vicky? And I was like, thank She just read my mind. And I think she knew it would just be more fun for everyone. And so I like, yeah, well, I just, I, it was, I was so scared. I didn't sleep the night before, I, but I, you know, I like kind of 
the fire was lit under me at around 5 a.m. and I was able to write something that I was proud of. And then I just like went straight to the wedding and like I did it barefoot. <laughs> and and my and my boyfriend who's here painted my toenails red, which and it was because it was on the beach or it was like in Malibu, like in front of the beach. So it was like I was like we we knew Vicky would obviously like that would be yeah very important she has for her to, to feel be barefoot. The sand between her toes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because Jesus was carrying her on the beach. Um, <laughs> exactly. There are only one set of footprints this time. <laughs> so wait. You just dropped Jake Gyllenhaal being there. Did you get to have words with Jake? <laughs> I had a show. The The great tragedy of the event was I had a show that night. Like, it was in the <laughs> afternoon. And so I wiped my makeup off, got in my clothes, and literally got on the PCH to go do my show. And I gave, like, the most delirious performance because <laughs> I was so tired but I so I didn't the only person I talked to was Larry David he just like very briefly <laughs> as I was walking back down the aisle he was like oh it's funny <laughs> it was so cool but I, he was literally the only person I talked to it sucked um it's uh, not to do my own name dropping but um uh this just kind of reminds me Natasha Leone hired me to perform some drag numbers at Clea Duvall's. <gasps> um, uh, it, it wasn't her wedding because her and her wife Mia had eloped, but they had a wedding party like um, a year later just to kind of to celebrate that they had been married. And I was so sh- scared shitless because of the people in the room. And yeah. I couldn't introduce myself to anyone because I was so nervous. Uh, so it's like I'm looking around the room and it's like half the cast of Veep. It's oh, like Sarah God. Paulson made a 10-minute appearance. <laughs> and I couldn't even like be near her because I was afraid I was going to start quoting Jessica Lang in Coven at her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Nick Kroll coming up to me to say like my set, like... Do you have these moments in your success where, you know, um, I don't want to make any assumptions of your early life, but I think there is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is this, like, at our age, knowing that the world was completely different when we were teenagers, that we're living in this queer renaissance right now that I never, I never foresaw. You know, I thought it was going to be like it was when I was a teenager forever. I never Yo, fully. Thought I thought I was going to be like, if I was going to make it, I was going to be on the cover of people being like, yep, I'm gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, I'm gay. I talk about this all the time. You remember where any time a celebrity came out, they had to be on the cover of people. And the quote was always, yep, I'm gay. Ellen, Lance Bass. Neil Patrick Harris yep I'm gay Um, now no one even comes out anymore now it's like it's a now it's an Instagram post about Kesha but um, (laughs) what happened to the days of big coming out yeah come on I want the the full spread of me me on a porch swing (laughs) 500k minimum but um, you know growing up I don't know when you knew you were queer, but I knew I was queer at a very young age, and I didn't see much representation. It was Will and Grace and Queer as Folk, and that was it. Yeah. And half the people playing queer <coughs> characters were straight people. So yeah. I never really imagined Gail myself. Harold. <laughs> I never imagined myself being successful. You know, like I yeah. didn't think that was even possible. Or like if if it did happen, it would be, you know, closeted or I, I, not that I even had an option to be closeted. That was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God. But do you have these moments where you look around at the people you're like rubbing elbows with, and do you find it surreal? Do you do you think no, I belong here? Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Uh, tell me about young John and what he would think of where you're at right now. <laughs> I mean, let me just bring him out for a second. Come here, come here. Uh, <laughs> He's sitting next to me on the floor. Um, I mean, I 
no, I I think about that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, this is disturbing the amount of kind of like, not just like, oh, that's a famous person that I worked with, but like a a person that I particularly worshipped and mm-hmm. just spent a lot of time thinking about yeah. and like yeah. watching their movies over and over and over again. And, you know, I mean, this is like well documented. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but the, the, for me, like the, the, the kind of biggest example of this is like, I was obsessed with Tony Collette when I was in yeah. middle school and I, you know, I, I had a website for her. I named my dog Muriel. Like I, I was really like, I made her a collage that I never sent to her. Cause I like realized it was, embarrassing like you know i i was real like my my parents would get me for years like my mom would like off ebay get me like tony collette press clippings <laughs> like a bag of like pictures of tony collette cut out of the magazine like psychotic um but like i was it, yeah and and then and then suddenly suddenly <laughs> i'm like doing a scene with her in a movie and like, and then like, I they asked, you know, because I've talked about this on stage a lot, this Tony Glad stuff. Like, A24 asked me to do a podcast with her where I interviewed her, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, that was like a true. I've had many moments of like, like I worked with Sharon Stone or I worked with Selma Hayek where I'm just like, how the hell is this happening? Like, where, and, but then very quickly, it's just like all things, you just become a little numb to it, or it's just yeah. everyone's just kind of like lovely and it's just a social experience like any other experience with other people. And you yeah. you very quickly become used to it. But like, but the Tony thing, when I was in the room with her recording this podcast, and I literally, like a psycho, I brought, because I, you know, I knew, I knew it was good, good podcasting, good television. <laughs> I brought that collage. I had my mom send me the collage I never sent her. Yeah, And I like presented it to her and I was like, this is, that was where I was like, I felt kind of like a psycho. Like I was like, did I just strong arm this entire experience? Like, (laughs) has this been like a long like project of mine since age like 11, you know, like everything else was just building up to that. Like the whole career, the whole comedy thing. It was all a ruse. (laughs) To meet Tony. And she did seem a little scared. I'll be honest. She seemed a little like, whoa. Oh, you've like, which I understand. Like I've, she's looking at a a person she does not know. And I have spent so much time thinking about her and watching her work more, more than that. I actually learned a very important lesson from that, which was like that she, once you make something, it like detaches from you and it does, it's become someone, it belongs to the public and you don't, and you become kind of fundamentally uninterested in it, you know? (laughs) And like, she, like, she does not, she has not, I I assure you she's not seen Muriel's wedding as many times as I have. (laughs) And I know for a fact she hasn't seen clock watchers as many times as I have, you know? So like, I'm talking about these things, assuming that they're just in her and she knows that she knows the exact little flutter of her eyelid that I'm referring to from, um, a movie that no one has seen in 1997, you know, and like, and, and I was like, oh, she really does not, she does not know what I'm talking about. And why would she? Because I've experienced the same thing where you work so hard on something and then you finally get it to the point of like sending it out to the world. And it just like, you don't, you don't, you become uninterested. I don't, I don't know. I completely I completely understand all of that. Like, and I think that's the thing, you know, um, everything you just said, I can completely second, you know, you do kind of become numb to it, even though you'll still go home and be like, wow, I can't believe I just had that experience. Yeah. You never stop being grateful, but if you don't become like, if you don't let it become natural, then, then like, if you don't, if you don't accept it, yes. then you're just always going to feel like that outsider. Well, and, and then you're also kind of on a social level, you're like not treating them as a, like a human being. You're exactly. treating them as a God. And like, that's, they're just like, can we just like fucking talk about craft services? <laughs> like, can you like relax? You know, like. I have found the balance of like, what I do is when I'm meeting a celebrity or a performer who's really important to me. I always say like 
I might, if I have a candid moment with that person, I will say I have to get one thing of gushing out of the way so that then we can be normal people. Like I usually yes. am just very honest. Like I'm like, if That's I only don't do say it. this to you right now, then it's going to just be like tapping at the edge of my brain <laughs> until I say it. So the only way for me to like just be normal around you is to get this out. Completely um, agree. Usually, you know, usually they take that very well. Like, um, yeah. Uh, but I learned the same lesson you were talking about with from Kristen Johnson. <laughs> <gasps> Do you know that I know her? I did it, but I I've been obsessed with her since childhood because of Third Rock from the Sun. She was my favorite. She was one of my favorite women on television. She's one as of a young I person. think one of the greatest actresses of all time. I really I I mean I, she did a sketch with me and Kate. She like well, I begged her cuz <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. I don't do you not know it? I don't know it. No. You're going to freak out. She's genius and I'll send it to you. She it's in our, she from is our web such series 555. Okay, keep going. Please please keep going. Um, well, I, I was doing a, a short-lived logo game show um, called Gay for Pay, or Gay for Play, Gay for Play. Um, With and Jeffrey self-worked on. <laughs> yes. And Kristen and I were both um, celebrity guests on it. And I had been binge-watching Third Rock from the Sun right before. I didn't know she was going to be there that day. So when I saw her... Um, like in makeup, I, I was like, this is so crazy. I was just watching you on Third Rock from the Sun. And she said, it's not crazy for me. I wasn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Right. It's like the craziness of the situation is a one-way street. Like, And to walk totally. up to someone and be like, this is insane when they're just like at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, and by the way, at work in 1999. <laughs> like, like that experience is so present for you, but for her, it was like years ago. It's so crazy. And it kind of made me reflect on like my own experiences of like, you know, people coming up, you know, it, I filmed season five, like nine or 10 years ago now. Wow. And sometimes people will bring up something from season five and I'm like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> and then I realize what they're talking about and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even think about that anymore. Yeah. So it is, it is funny. You know, it's funny to be a fan and then also a colleague. It's, yes. It'll never feel normal, but you do have to find a way to like, just tell your brain like, Save it for later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Kristen was my teacher at in acting school. Really? Yes, in college, and it was like it was because she was a uh, she is an Atlantic company member, Atlantic Theater Company member, uh, like you know from like the '90s before Third Rock, and uh, and she kind of came back there to teach when she moved back to New York after Third Rock, and I was like, I was so. It was that that was actually that was more surreal than like all the Tony stuff because I was like younger and like not working, obviously. And like she just was so funny. It was so surreal. I would like for like two years, I would just kind of sit there and watch her talk in class. I yeah. was like astonished. And then, of course, there was a kinship <laughs> naturally. <laughs> like, you know, she can be she's she's a very like intimidating presence to a lot of people, but I was like, you know. Uh, screaming, laughing in the back of the room at everything she was saying. And so, like, very quickly, like, she'd be, like, like early, you know, like, I, like after class and stuff. And, like, I'd, like, talk to her after class, and she'd be, like, on her Blackberry, like, reading me, like, a fucked up email or something that she got. She's like, isn't this insane? You know, and, I, <laughs> and I would be, I, 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 it was so surreal. It was so surreal to just, like, be entrusted with, like, an email for Kristen Johnston. <laughs> It was crazy. But yes, I love her so much. Um, she is, she's truly fabulous. And um, just, there's, you know, there's just something. I It's the, it's the je ne sais quoi of certain female performers that like, they were just born to lead queer people. They were just Completely. born to be like um, shepherds to gay men, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and she really has that and really understands that, that, you know, in a very beautiful way. I think she feels very grateful that she possesses that. Hold up. 
I am going to make a confession to you now, and oh, I no. don't want you to judge me, um, <laughs> but I feel like we need to talk about it, even though um, I don't have I don't have any way of contributing to this conversation. Okay. <laughs> But you are a mainstay on the show Search Party. Yes. And Search Party is one of those shows that everyone tells me I have to watch. And every time someone tells me, you've got to watch this. You're going to love it. You've got to binge it. You've got to watch every episode tonight. Yeah. Every time someone does that to me, it's like it's going to take me another month to watch it. I completely understand Every part of me knows that I'm going to love this show. <laughs> Every person who's told me I'm going to love this show is someone I trust. Yeah. Every time I see a post on Instagram like, here's this, the guest star in this episode, it's always someone I love. All of the people who are in it are people I love. Some of them are friends of mine. And I have yet to watch it because I feel like I just naturally resist things that people push on to me. Of course. So I know I have to watch it. But at this point in time, I have not watched it. But I know it is such a huge thing. Can you, can you be the person to tell me why I'm going to watch it, why I'm going to start watching it tonight while I'm like quarantined to my room and have nothing to do? Okay, well, sell it I'm, to me. Give me your but elevator no, but pitch. I have to be chill so that you don't clam up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you'll like it, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I actually just know you'll love it. I mean, I don't. I, I okay. Let's see. Where do I start? Well, the quality that you're talking, we were talking about that you know is in Kristen. Mm-hmm. The which you know I don't want to try to describe something that's ineffable, but I think she has. She has the ability to like, there's something about her like expressiveness that's like always kind of in such an integrated way. It's like always simul, it's like laugh out loud funny, but also like devastating. That you, Meredith Hagner, who plays Portia, my who's like kind of, we're, we're like a little duo on the show. Uh-huh. It's really, it's, this is one of, I think, one of the main reasons to watch the show is, like, to see her performance. It's, like, it will rock you, Jinx. You will freak <laughs> out. You will become a bigger fan of hers than you than you are of me. Um, secondly, me. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> bitch. Um, no, but I, I, I would say the biggest reason to watch it is just because it really has, like, it really has, like, teeth. Like, it's, it's oh. very... Um, it takes like big fucking angry swings. It's very rude, and it's um, it's extremely funny in a way that I think you will appreciate in like a way that a lot of a lot of stuff right now I feel like and and a lot of stuff that we've been you know subjected to for the past ten years is like everything's so kind of like kind of gently. Nothing's like really kind of threateningly funny, you know, like <laughs> nothing like in the way like the Thirty Rock is, you know, like mm-hmm. they're just the fucking. Brilliant razor sharp jokes every fucking second, you know, really like strong archetypes, you know, um, I'm going to stop selling it in like two <laughs> seconds, but I, but I just, I, I, what I appreciated about doing search party was like, just the fact that I got to be on something that was like hard, funny, uh-huh. like hard comedy, capital C comedy didn't feel any sort of pressure to show us being like chill or like, or like kind of like tender or like kind of like hanging out with our friends. It was like, it's like ruthless laugh out loud, funny. And it really, while doing that, I think it's chief goal is to entertain. It's also, it's like simultaneously, like I think there's a lot of like very, very beautiful kind of instinctive murky commentary. It's not didactic. It's not like explainy. You know, it's not like this is about today at all. But there's something like really kind of underneath it that's like boiling underneath that is very much feels like what it's like to be alive right now, which is to say that it feels like you were living in hell. <laughs> and I think Search Party really captures that. Anyway, that's that's my pitch. You should really it, there's no pressure, Jinx, and I completely understand the seizing up around like, you know, rec- those kind of wrecks. But I do I am like deeply, deeply proud of it. And and it was an incredible show to be a part of. I think I, I think it's gonna. I, I think now is the time. Honestly, um, I don't know what that is about me. Why I'm so contrarian? Like, um, Dela will have to like. Dela will sometimes tell me like 
before you speak to me again, you have to watch this movie because I'm not going to be able to talk to you about anything else. And if you want to participate in the conversation, you have to watch Malignant. Um, (laughs) um, So I know I have to watch it. I think I'm going to. uh, Listen, I binged all of season one of the Chucky series yesterday. I didn't know there was a Chucky series. Oh, it's so good. It's so queer. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not good, but I loved it. But I can't wait. Um, I'm going to just rattle off some shows that I, I saw recently that I really love and recommend if you haven't watched oh, right. it. I can't wait. Righteous Gemstones. Have you watched that? It is a crime that I haven't watched it because Eastbound and Down is one of my favorite shows of all time. And he is like, Danny McBride is like my hero. I didn't think I was going to like it. Fucking loved it. Ate it all up. I believe it. <laughs> then you're gonna love Search Party Dog. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm. I'm sequestered to my room. Um. I think I'll go out on a constitutional today and then <laughs> start start my Search Party binge. Um. John, how much would you say? Okay, here's what I want to ask. Okay. Um. I think that, you know. I think that it's so amazing that you have get to be so queer in the work that you do. <laughs> Thank you. You play a lot of queer characters. I don't I, I don't want to assume that all your characters are queer. Have you played straight characters before? You know, I do. I mean, God, I guess I'm... Uh, yes, like, with Kate a lot, I play mm-hmm. straight characters. In the characters, I did have that one, like really short little blip of a straight guy but he also it alludes to a kind of yeah underlying homosexual tendencies but um <laughs> but uh I love playing straight I really really love playing straight <laughs> yeah there there are it's mostly with Kate like Kate and I really like to play kind of like a really kind of mm-hmm. middle of the road straight couple <laughs> <laughs> um what does it feel like uh, how important is it to you to be so queer. Like, um, <laughs> is it something you set out to do in your work or is it just like what works? So, you know, like, I, I want to know, like, uh, what are your thoughts on your own queerness and uh, uh, vis-a-vis the success that you've experienced? Mm, I mean, I really don't think about it. I, well, okay. <laughs> I don't think about it. I think that I come by it... Right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> no, no. Listen to anyone who does. I was, no, there's a difference between like playing characters and something that I'm writing that's going to be filmed versus doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. Because stand-up, I actually have felt more consciously queer. Like yeah. when I was starting stand-up and I was doing longer shows where I would have like a band and or where I would host a variety show with my friend Theta Hamill, who is from Portland, by the way. Um, we all know each other, don't I'm worry. sure, I'm sure we're all the same age. I'm sure you know. Um, but, but uh, you know, like the, when I was performing live, that's where I was a little more conscious of just like queerness. It just literally and just kind of the environment that I was creating or like the songs that I would be, uh, that I would choose to sing, the people I would book on the shows with me. That's, that seemed, I, I guess, and, and not I was that to me wasn't any sort of political stance. It was just it was just like an avenue towards a more fun party atmosphere, obviously, because <laughs> um, that that's one of the great I think um, contributions of of gay culture, <laughs> queer culture, whatever you want to call it, to, is just like you know it must raging that's, out. <laughs> that's why straight people are appropriating our culture with um, <laughs> yes, with exactly. poppers and. Ass eating. They're taking all the things we worked so hard for for granted. You know? I, I know. When I see people doing like casually doing poppers at parties, like a, a circle of straight people. I've seen we that once in my on life. We marched on Washington so that you could do poppers on the dance floor. Marsha um, P. Johnson threw that brick so you could eat your girlfriend's ass. Um. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I only really think of it there or only really ever thought of it there, I think. And then. And then with the more like kind of scripted or sketch stuff or the characters or 555 with Kate or this new special, it's like we, I just don't think of it. I think that I am interested in playing. There's a certain kind of, I think, gayness that I'm 
interested or like a kind of gay person that I like playing. Like to me, there's just like a lot of comedic opportunities. Yeah. You know, like 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 with the characters, I love to play the kind of like Hillary gay, the kind of like yeah. the kind of like the like well-meaning or not really well-meaning, the kind of like psychotic liberal, you know, who's yeah. like with the NPR tote and the kind of like you that know character was so true to life and then also <laughs> so monstrous and yes. so um I just yeah, you know, I, I think what you're talking about is you have this inside knowledge that not everyone has. Yes. And um, you have a perspective that even though, like, in your queer circles, probably everyone knows a person like that or everyone has yeah. a story like that. But when you when you get to perform those characters for straight audiences, they're probably sitting there thinking like, where do you come up with this stuff? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. that's just brunch on Sunday. Yes, yes, uh, <laughs> totally. Um, let's talk about your new special with Kate. She's currently on the promo tour because you're stuck at home. Yeah. Um, that's why she's texting you from uh, an, an airplane. <laughs> can you believe um, we can do that? <laughs> I know. It, it is kind of crazy. It is crazy. actually, that's psychotic. I'm sorry. I d- and then when and when the Wi-Fi is down on the airplane and you're like pissed off because you were going to work on emails or you needed to yes. finish a conversation and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> it's such a privilege that I even thought I was going to be able to like text message during my flight. <laughs> exactly. And then you're also like, it really, when, when the Wi-Fi fails on planes, that's when I suddenly realize like, I'm in a... I'm in a hurling object. I'm like a hurdling or whatever. Like I'm in an object that is hurling oh, through space. They can't get the Wi-Fi worked out. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like 50 people in a tin can <laughs> yeah. traveling across the world. Um, your new special with Kate is called "Would It Kill You to Laugh?" Yes. <laughs> I feel like. Do you like that title? I feel like you and Ben would like I, that title. I love it. And then um, you have a cardboard cutout of the two of you, and it says, he's gay, she's half Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Is that all people need to know going in? (laughs) That, without giving away too much, that alludes to a fake sitcom that is part of the world of this sketch comedy okay. special. Okay. There's like a there's a framing device for this. I mean, I'm, I'll just tell you this. There's a framing device because I do think this will get people to watch it including you. <laughs> that there's a framing device for this special that is a like sit it's me and Kate as if we're the most famous comedy duo of all time <laughs> mm-hmm. and we like in the world and we had like a major public falling out. Uh-huh. Like a feud, like a, with like legal battles and stuff, and we are being we are sitting down for like an interview on like a Sunday night, like big time show with Meredith Vieira, and we got Meredith Vieira. <laughs> and so it's so it's like me and Kate like kind of like seeing each other for the first time in twenty years, and like you know like really kind of performing like our kind of gratitude for this moment, and like you know and and trying to kind of compete about who's like better off and more well adjusted, and like. I mean, I think you're gonna love it. I already know I'm gonna love it. I love the <laughs> two of you. I love all the work um, that I've seen you two do, and I'm about to watch Search Party. And finally, I love that too. Um, where can people watch? Uh, Would it kill you to laugh? Peacock. Peacock. I just got Peacock so I can watch Chucky. <laughs> and since Huge. I pitched it all in one night, I was like, "What am I? Oh, it's time for my prep." Um, <laughs> you time it. No, it, I have an alarm set to remind me to take my prep at the oh, same but time it, but every day. Because that's that's with most medications, you're supposed to just take it at the same time every day, right? Not all medications, but prep you're supposed to, yeah. Jesus, that and is like to, such bad news for me. I, I do this thing both with my, my antidepressants and my prep, all my daily medications where I like... Oh, I get to take my antidepressants now. Watch <laughs> yeah, out, yeah. everybody. I make it fun, and I make a big deal about it so that there's no, like, shame or, like, yes, drudge smart. about it. So I love going, oh, it's time to take my prep in the middle of a serious conversation. <laughs> um, so um, we can watch it on Peacock. Yes. You and Kate Berlant. It's an hour. Um, it's 52 minutes. It's not even an hour, honey. <laughs> Um, what is that? That's nothing. 
Yeah. 52 minutes. You spend that much time scrolling on Instagram on the toilet. <laughs> um, John, you are such a fantastic performer. You're so funny. I hope everyone listening to this goes and finds you on all the social media. Where can they find you? Oh, God. <laughs> they can find me at Bajonce, <laughs> a nickname that has stuck with me since high school um, that I've exploited um, over the course of... 15 years. I, I often wonder if it's still funny. <laughs> I find it funny. Yeah. The uh, John said, yeah, I'm like, is it? I'm like, did you hear the new single? <laughs> um, I haven't. No, I haven't. I, I saw a, a little bit of it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm so bad at pop culture. I mostly see people's stay reactions out, to things. Well, that's then... life now. It's modern life. <laughs> I think I was learning about the new single through the Vixen um, today before <laughs> we started this. Um, I am really, really bad at pop culture, though. You I really am. Stay, please stay that way. And I, I'm with you. I really am with you. <laughs> um. Fun little anecdote for, uh, I think I may have talked to Kate about this, not sure, but I feel I feel secure enough um, right now to bring this up. I was going through this weird thing where I was convinced mm-hmm. what I needed to do was to date another, like, queer performer, celebrity you know, however you yeah. want to classify. And I think... Why? Like, like, the, like cause that you were like, that will be a healthy relationship? Or like, you were imagining no, kind of a power couple? I, I think I was half imagining a power couple thing. I think it was half like motivated by like narcissism. But right. it was also like, I probably, it was, I think it was sometime after my last significant relationship before I met my husband. And I mm. was like... I was like, it's so hard to try to have a relationship with someone who doesn't also like tour, you know, like who, right. because you make these promises and then, and then work keeps interrupting and, and the muggles, they, they don't get it. So mm-hmm. you're like, you convince yourself, I need to find someone who like goes through all the same shit as me. Otherwise it's never going to work. So I do believe like, um, I think our third conversation, maybe our second or third conversation was me asking you out on a date because I was like scheming. Do you remember this on Instagram? You were so polite. I like Jeez, reached out first. I don't first. even remember. <laughs> I reached out first to compliment you on the characters. And then I was like, um, next time we're in the same city, let's hang out. Maybe we could go on a date. <gasps> and, and, and you said, oh, you're so sweet. We can hang out as friends. But I just started seeing someone. Yes, um, that is true. You were so sweet about it, but I'm I'm confessing to you now that it was part of this like delusional scheme I had to um, to date another <laughs> queer um, performer. It's um, not delusional. <laughs> it's not delusional. Um, was that the same boyfriend you're with now? Do you remember? Uh, no, that I'm was not, five when boyfriends did you ago. Do, yeah, that really <laughs> just know. go through them. No, I don't know. Sort of, I don't Gordon remember and I have the been details. Together. Gordon's in the room right now. Gordon and I have been together for five years. Almost it, five years. It could have been so, Gordon then. Probably, yeah. I don't remember any of the details other than the embarrassing thing that I'm ashamed of. You know, like yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I was like I was like, Can't you just meet someone? Can't you isn't it enough that you and John just talked? Like I look back on that and I'm like, Who did you think you were? You barely knew this person, asking him out on a date, trying to use Instagram like What's it? Everyone what's, does that. <laughs> what's the what's the celebrity dating app? Isn't there one of those? Raya. That, Raya it's yeah. real. Okay. Um. <laughs> Raya. I'm. That seems like a real scary place. Do you love how casually I've called myself a celebrity like eight times? Just well, now? you are, James. <laughs> John, I have compulsory questions that I ask every guest, and it is your turn. Um, Before we wrap this up, I want to remind everyone, you can watch the characters on Netflix. Um, John has been on so many shows. Watch Search Party. Um, uh, John played one of Jenna's kids on 30 Rock. You do voiceover work. Um, The Great North, Robot Chicken, American Dad, which is my guilty pleasure. Bob's Burgers, Tuka and Birdie. Once you know John's voice, you 
you will just hear it everywhere. Once you know John's <laughs> face, you will see it everywhere. Um, and then your new special is called Would It Kill You to Laugh on Peacock. Um, and follow him at Beyonce. But now I must ask you, who's your celebrity crush today? I'll tell you, it's actually very easy to tell you this. <laughs> Because I watched L.A. Confidential last night, which I had never mm-hmm. seen. It's an incredible movie. You know, I for years I was like, it's a boy movie. I'll never get into it. It's incredible. And it's <laughs> it's Russell Crowe from 1997. I was like <laughs> soaking wet. It was really crazy. I usually think in horny terms when I answer this question because I'm a very horny woman but um, today my celebrity crush is Jennifer Tilly because I just yes I am so obsessed with that human being her voice she's amazing I want her to narrate my memoir if I ever write one that's brilliant that's really (laughs) brilliant audiobook (laughs) you know she's done while Sean plays recently Jennifer Tilly you know, oh, while Sean that. writes beautiful plays, um, and and that's like honestly, I've sometimes like I like will like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "How's Jennifer Tilly?" <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I'm like, "Where are she's you?" She's also a you know? poker champion. That's, like, you, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Like, isn't that like just so baller? Wow. <laughs> and I never even used the word baller. Like, like TV, TV poker. She did like a, a celebrity. She did celebrity late night poker. That's she's wild. Really good. Um. Jennifer Tilly. Um, <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Thank You by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know any of the words. Um, Thank you, India. Thank you, confidence. Thank you, silence. <laughs> I remember the Mad TV spoof of that song. Of course. It was um, called Wash Me, and it was all about, you know, um, it wasn't flattering to her, but the um, impersonation was pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, Final question. Are you spiritual? You know, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, like, no, I'm not. Not defiantly so. I grew up with, you know, in kind of a bathing in the waters of Protestantism, (laughs) So, you know, I, I I guess I'm still on some sort of, like, long-term, like, maybe rejection of that. Um, but, uh, no, I'm not really. No, I, I, I really take a lot of I've, – I would say my spirituality manifests in, like, um, um, a kind of materialism. <laughs> like, I, I find a lot of, like, solace in, in people who, like – like uh, think about like the earth and the resources we have and like and and us being like animals and you know and like being like aggressive little like animals and <laughs> and that, that's that gives me I, I like thinking about those problems but sometimes I feel like a lot of the kind of miss like the I I have friends who come by spiritual spirituality i think very earnestly and then i know a lot of people especially in la <laughs> you know where their, their kind of spirituality is a little more about i feel like obfuscating the problems of the world and ignoring the problems of the world <laughs> so that's my relationship to spirituality oh uh, yeah i love I, I love that there's this new way I, it, now it's just like if we just talk about the problems we don't do anything about it but we have to constantly be talking about yes, them yes yes uh, <laughs> you're either talking about the problems or you're too tired to be talking about the problems you know what i mean i've talked about them so much yeah um, <laughs> i just i can't explain to you i'm not going to perform the emotional labor to explain to you Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for totally forgetting that I asked you on a date years ago. Um, thank you I for hope the work that's that you okay that I forgot. It's it, oh my I god! Hope you... Of course, this just like confirms this thing I was just reading. You know, because I follow all those self help Instagram accounts. Um, my favorite is Choose Positivity, and it was just <laughs> telling me the other day. 
Remember that thing that you go to bed fretting about. No one else remembers it but you. <sighs> the things so that you like torture yourself with. No one else even has any chance of remembering. I know. I know. Um, no it's one. It's not cares. always true, but <laughs> it's it's nice to remind yourself that no yeah. one focuses on your mistakes the way that you do. And yeah, they're and just a, freaking about out about their own mistakes. Yeah, because but that's not a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Own. <laughs> Thank you, John. It was totally reasonable and sweet. <laughs> Everyone is the star of their own film, so don't <laughs> um, don't think for a minute that anyone gives a shit about you. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. Um, Thank you, you just James. Wonderful. It was an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank Truly. You. And thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx! Oh. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. <laughs>